Thank you for choosing The Modern Witch. You are listening to us here on the Pagan Radio Network. I'm your host, Devin Hunter, and uh, you can find out all kinds of information about witchcraft and modern witchcraft by going to modernwitchonline.com. Um, you can see all kinds of interesting stuff, of uh, new projects, some of the old stuff still up there, um, and uh, more information about some of the new stuff that's coming out, like the new Modern Witch Book Club. So if you haven't already, go over to www.modernwitchonline.com, and uh, all the info you could ever possibly need about any of this stuff is up there. Today, my special guest is Evo Dominguez Jr., and we are talking about past lives. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Modern Witch. In this episode, I thought we would take a moment and uh, kind of think about one of the biggest questions we could ever ask. What happens when we die? The Egyptians were obsessed with the afterlife, and, well, we as modern witches, we're we're kind of obsessed with the afterlife, and Christianity in its own zombie-obsessed kind of way is totally into the afterlife, and so... It's something that haunts us. It's something that unites us no matter where we come from, no matter what our background is. We all want to know what happens when we die. And, hey, you know, the Christians are a little death-obsessed, and so are the Egyptians and every other culture that ever existed. And I guess I am, too. I am a medium. That's what I do for a living. So I get to talk a lot about something that uh, is quite an interesting topic, and I wanted to bring a friend of mine, Evo Dominguez Jr., on to talk about death and, well, rather, actually what happens when we die, past lives. And for most of us, if you were like him or me, it started with knowing something we probably shouldn't and knowing it at a really early age. You know, I it was a retrospective thing because the how about this? I was one of those kids, which is really not an unusual story with uh, so many people in the pagan or magical community that had really early uh, childhood experiences of either psychism or experience of a spirit or um, a strange place in the woods or whatever. But I remember um, that I thought as a child I was just having a fantasy about um, you know, a particular place that I'd never been to. And I mentioned it to, to uh, one of my grandparents, and they said, yes, they knew where that place was. And no, we've never been there as a family. And, and, it, and it dawned on me maybe 10 years later that that was actually the initial part of remembering one of my past lives, and it was just something that came up in a childhood fantasy reverie and, and uh, ended up being the beginning of the past life memory. But so that I, I have to say that I actually have to go digging through all my uh, 
early childhood and middle childhood and teenagers and see how much of the stuff that was coming through then was not just fantasies or uh, rambling the imagination, uh, but things that were precursors of, of lives that I would recover in, in a certain amount of detail. Um, but I'll tell you what the turning point for me was in deciding that this past life thing was real. I recalled a lot about a boring lifetime. Okay, so here's where it gets interesting. Just about every time the subject of past lives comes up and you start to have one of these conversations, you can almost always guess which type of person they are. And it's always based on what their past life was. Usually it's something big and dramatic like they were Cleopatra or Mark Antony or that they lived you know, a life as the descendant of Genghis Khan. It's never something simple. It's never something normal. And for me, that was almost the... I'd had some exciting things that I could chalk up to just me being an avid reader of fantasy and uh, history and having uh, psychism thrown in. But I, I had a series of dreams that uh, were extremely vivid. They weren't violent. There wasn't anything exciting. And, and I followed up with a friend who uh, did past life regression. So, so to get to the punchline, it was a really boring dream where I lived in a small village in Ireland and made shoes. Nothing exciting about it, but covered from being an apprentice, being a small kid, losing my parents, you know, when I was young, and eventually just dying of old age. There was no drama, there was nothing. And I was not well off, because one of the problems, and this is perhaps a, a valid prejudice that I had, was that so many people who claimed to have past life memories, they were always some kind of incredibly dramatic or exalted... So so in other words, if the proof is in the taste of the pudding, for Evo, the pudding was really bland. And for me, the place where it changed my mind, there is validity in this stuff, is that I remembered one that was really, really mundane and basic and probably like the bulk of lives that most of us have had in the past. So after that, I started taking it uh, a lot more seriously because I had retrieved a, in, memories of a life that it was a good life, it was an interesting life with ups and downs, but did not... Um, have me uh, playing any uh, giant role in the cosmic opera. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so that, that that made it real for me. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's there's a lot of um, everyone is either Cleopatra, Mark Antony, or they were scalped by Native Americans. Um, and or that's, something like that. Yeah, yeah. there's there's always some sort of it, it's always got to be this grand story. And I know for me, I do a lot of past life work, and most of most of what I've been able to kind of pull out from my experience is very um, boring. I think that's a good way to put it. <laughs> boring. It's just not, nothing, nothing super fantastic. Very cool. So, how do you, um, when we, when we specifically, when we're talking about, because um, you hit something really, really powerful. Yeah. Uh, when we're talking about, how do you know um, if if we're having a real experience? If, if this is something that's legitimate? What what? Where should the mind be for the practitioner who's who's um, getting into, you know, starting to have these experiences and remembering their, their past lives, where should their mind be? I mean, what should they be looking for? Well, I think it depends on the goal. As a for example, um, I have fragmentary um, uh, memories of some and detailed member, memories of others. And, uh, you know, it's, it's part of my belief structure that we, we do reincarnate and we do keep going at it. And eventually... Uh, we uh, learn the things that we need to do um, as, as uh, human beings. But 
when they are intruding upon this life, then it has to be something that's significant to what you're doing in the here and now. So what Evo is saying is that if you're having a past life experience, then something that you're doing now is triggering it. So you could be having the same experience over and over and over and over again, all in different lifetimes. So what's the point in that? Um, I, I think it was my, my uh, grandmother, uh, Rosario, that, that told me this when I was a kid. And then, you know, the little cleft uh, in the middle of the, uh, the lip underneath the nose. She, she said that uh, that's where the angel put its finger when you were born and told you, hush, not to remember. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it, it took me years to figure out what, what she was actually trying to say by that. But, but the idea is that if we are having unique experiences in this identity, in this personality, in this life, then we're here to learn what we're doing now. So if a past life has enough salience, has an, enough importance to pop into this life's waking consciousness, then it's a message. It's almost like an oracle or a divination or a, um, the thing that you're doing now is thematically connected to a thing that you have done before. So one of the things I ask myself when I have something that's possibly a past life memory or dream um, or even if it's a guided recall, you know, because it's, it's really easy to create false memories. Um, I ask myself, does this actually relate to something that I'm working on, either as a personal issue or as a philosophical or magical question that I'm having trouble figuring out or solving? So if there's re- relevance to what I'm actually doing, then I'm more likely to give it credence that if it's a truly a past life, it's only going to pop into my awareness if it means something to the here and now.
So if past lives are possible, then what about karma? Now, I'm not talking about that creepy monster that follows you from life to life, but actual karma. Even when I actually agreed on this one. How do you feel about karma and, and its relation to past lives? Really complicated. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, uh, it, it's in the same category of, of of do I believe in the rule of three? And the answer is no and yes sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes three thousand and sometimes point three. Uh, it's, it's a question of I don't think that there is uh, any such thing as a being or beings that are uh, judging or deciding what constitutes good or bad karma. I think that's a that's a, an antiquated concept. I do think, though, um, that metaphysics requires that like calls to like and energy calls to energy and essence to essence so that I think that the things that we do put into motion or draw to us, either by causality or by synchronicity, those events that we then experience as karma, good, bad, or indifferent, so do I believe that we carry on stuff from previous lives? Absolutely. Do I believe that, um, that uh, the nature of our next life is directly determined by what we did in this life? Absolutely not. Okay, so if karma is real and it doesn't affect me and who I'm going to be in the next life, then how does it affect me in this life? The reason why I bring up the whole karmic connection is that there there seems to be little understanding in a, in a personal sense for people about uh-huh. why why we go from lifetime to lifetime, why we have, you know, one experience where, you know, we were a shoemaker in Ireland and then, you right. know, in this lifetime where are you an author? You know, where are you helping right. build right. this library? So, I mean, right. in the grander spectrum of things, as you've, if you've had this lifetime and you've been able to have these experiences and ponder over them, what's the, what do you feel? Is, is there an underlying connection there? Is there a reason why we, we go from I, life to life? Or? I, I think there is. I think that, um, and honestly, part of this is going to be about what people believe in a, in a, in a grander sense in terms of their uh religion or, or, or theology or fill-in-the-blank for the big word that uh, fills that uh, gap in your head for why we're here and why we do what we do. I do actually, like so many people, also believe that <clears throat> our lives are our <coughs> our allergy season. Mm-hmm. Our lives are also our education. And I think that it's impossible. One of the reasons I had no doubt about past lives very early on is that it is I know how much I want to accomplish in this lifetime, and that will be a fraction of the things that I'd like to experience or know or learn, so that it only makes sense to me that it takes um, thousands of lifetimes to actually develop, evolve, and get there as a human being. So I think that uh, our lifetimes are are each an attempt at becoming our ultimate, you know, God or goddess form, if you like that idea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, I think, so you follow along the, we're, we're kind of ascending in each lifetime. Ascending, not necessarily, well, how about this? Um, rather than looking at it in terms of up or down, um, becoming more complete, becoming more rounded. If you, in, my take on it is that in order to uh, know the universe or 
the gods, the goddesses, those beings that are greater than us, first we have to understand what it is to be human. And I don't think we can accomplish that in one life or in many, many lives. Uh, so that, I, so that, as a, for example, let's say that you were uh, a, a, a brilliantly compassionate individual in this life. Uh, your, your next life, you may choose to have a really crappy life because that will give you more depth of compassion on certain parts of life. Mm-hmm. Or it may be that, uh, that uh, it's, it's uh, something uh, that is, looks really despicable and objectionable, but perhaps the, the only way that you can understand that despicable and objectionable set of behaviors is by actually living at once. Mm. So, so that, it, so that I don't think it's a linear, uh, and it's not even about uh, the nature of time and whether time is linear or eternal or a bit of both. It's more a question of, um, now that I've learned this thing, what would be the next lesson that would be most beneficial? What would be the next piece of experience that would allow me to enrich what I've already learned? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And uh... so, 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 so that, that's why I'm saying that if somebody's... Uh, that's why I have an objection to. Let's say that uh, somebody is having a really rough go at this lifetime. Um, in in some systems of perspective, people would look at that and say, "Man, they must have been really crappy last time around." And I would say, "We have no way of knowing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be that they were that they were uh, a, a shining example of, of of what it is to be a good person last lifetime, and and this is a lifetime where they they need to truly understand." Um, pathology, if you will, in order to in, in order to be a healer a few lifetimes from now. Yeah, absolutely. In the, in the, yeah, so so that we can't tell by a person's current experiences um, where they are relative to their or overall evolution. If I was a bird and you were a fish, what would we do? I guess we'd wish for reincarnation. Like a reincarnation If I was a tree And you were a flower What would we do? I guess we'd wait for the power of This is Devin Hunter, and you are listening to The Modern Witch on the Pagan Radio Network. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Evo Dominguez Jr.
So the real question, the big question after all of this, so after exploring what a past life could be and why it could be, we need to know what we can do with it. I mean, we need to know how we can communicate with it, how we can explore it on our own and what all this information is going to do for us in the long run. I mean, okay, so there are lives that we've had that we've either accessed or haven't accessed, and there are going to be lives that are going to be the same. I mean, in the fact that we can access them or can't access them. So what can we do about them now? And is are there practices that you've found yeah. have been particularly beneficial in the search for past lives? Yes, and I'm, I'm going to suggest something that... Uh, is a strange little exercise, and like so many powerful things, it seems too simple and and and, uh, and too basic a, a concept, but it actually works if people work it. But the problem is people don't work things as a rule. So if I ask you right now to remember the the cute little face of a of an animal that uh, that uh, was your pet or animal companion years ago, or the, the face of a of a dear friend or of a schoolmate or a favorite teacher, <clears throat> your brain bops around. <clears throat> and you remember all these images pretty much instantly, and they're there. What finds the memory for you? One mm-hmm. of the things, I mean, they're basically we take for granted that uh, we can remember things, and they simply come to us. Now, when we're stuck for memory, sometimes we're pushing too hard, and we know that, ugh, I, I can't remember it. If I, if I stop fretting about it, it'll pop up into my head later that day. Well, the first thing I would say is learn about the engine of memory. And that's kind of my catchphrase for the thing inside ourselves that actually seeks, finds, and, and uh, reawakens that uh, stored set of sensations and images that's a memory. And I don't think of it just in a physical, biological sense. Because, you know, as much as I love science, uh, I also believe in magic and sacred sciences. So I think that there's a spiritual part of us that's job it is to basically seek and retrieve. So the exercise I came up with was a bunch of three-by-five cards. I wrote on them uh, lots and lots of, you know, memories that I knew were, you know, vivid and sharp. Shuffle it up, pull up the card, read the card, and see the image. Not so hard so far. The next part is try to feel what it feels like. What the what what is it to remember? In the same way that people try to learn about uh, controlling their bodily functions or becoming more body aware about how their muscles work, try to slow down and experience 
the process and which internal subtle muscles you're moving to, to uh, go towards that memory and experience it. And over time, you begin to almost think of this as the, not exactly like lucid dreaming, but it's sim- a comparable technology in that you're trying to learn how to be aware of a process that we're no- normally not aware of. So over time, you can feel it slow down. You can almost feel this little motion of this is how I found the memory. And, and here's where I universalize it. I think that memory is memory is memory. And the subtle subtle energy, subtle matter part of you that retrieves memories from this life is also the same part of you that has the far memory that can retrieve from previous lives or for, for that if you don't know about at all. <clears throat> I actually think that when uh, a good uh, clairvoyant or a good psychic or a good intuitive is seeing or experiencing things elsewhere, it's, it's, it's the same um, set of uh, muscles, if you will, that are moving their perspective to where that information is. Mm-hmm. So that if you meditate with this and work on remembering and slowing down remembering and understanding what remembering feels like, then you can set your mind to, I want to remember from before or outside of this current frame. Okay, so using the handy-dandy technique that Mr. Evo Domingos Jr. um, has given us, we can explore our memories of our past lives we can tap into that but what happens when they're not all you know roses and sunshine what happens when we actually run into something that's scary and and maybe a little dark so let's say that we've been doing um you know these exercises we've been doing this work and there's a past life memory that comes up that is negative it's it's something that it brings up strange feelings it, it, there's a there's mm-hmm. obviously a complex mm-hmm. there that needs to be processed what right. what what should be done in that case usually uh usually if it's uh well i, I have one in mind uh, i have a i have a traumatic kind of image memory from uh uh being killed with a sword and uh basically you know it's being jabbed into right underneath my armpit it's it's really not pleasant mm-hmm and uh, when I first caught that flash of, of memory, and it, and it kind of took my breath in because it, it actually hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know what? Uh, there's certainly a part of me that didn't want to see any more. But if it's popping up, then there's something else that's there. Well, I kept going back to that memory. And instead of trying to um, root it out, or to try to fast-forward it. I moved my focus to that memory, to that moment of where the you know sword was entering in me. And then I tried to, and it took effort at first, because, and at first uh, I f- frankly thought, well, what I'm seeing is, is bogus, this is just me filling in the details. But I made myself shift my gaze in, in the same sense, not unlike lucid dreaming, shift my gaze and look around the rest of the battlefield and figure out where am I. And, and once I had a glimpse of where I was, and it's like, oh, it's Romans. Oh, okay, I think I know. That still doesn't tell me where I am, but in, in which province or whatever, but it at least got me somewhere in, in sense of memory. Then I tried to move the memory backward to before the moment that I was killed. 
And eventually I managed to move it back off that kill moment. And I think sometimes that uh, because memories are sorted by emotional intensity for most people, mm-hmm. if, if, if a life ended um, with, a, with a very uh, sudden and uh, bloody death, that likely has a higher number of peg points that's easier to latch on to. But the whole, but the actual message I was supposed to get from that lifetime wasn't about, oh, I was killed with a sword, which I'm sure has happened to any number of us over the course of lives. But that uh, the information I actually needed came from about two years before I was killed. But that lifetime, that was the only way it could force its way into my memory by the part of it that was the, the brightest or the um, loudest, if you will, had the biggest signal spike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that, but so that, so that uh, just because something is a tragic or terrible death or something horrible does not mean that that's what the message is going to be about. So part of it is telling yourself that information is information. If it's being brought to your attention, then there's something that is useful for you in the here and now, and it's not necessarily what you think it is just because the thing that popped into your head first was a very, very difficult moment that only comprised a moment in, in many moments that made that whole life up. So it was about going to the scene and then using that as uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna drag myself back from the moment of death into that life. But first it was about getting a look at the uh, where am I where is the land, and then I, I finally did you know find what I needed from that life and it ended up being um, a piece of information about something that I'd been working on magically for a while that uh, didn't make sense and now suddenly did make sense. It was a, a ritual I was trying to write that I couldn't write and I couldn't imagine what um, a, getting uh, skewered by a sword had to do with the ritual that I was writing, but lo and behold, that's actually what it was about. It wasn't about the death, it was about that was the lifetime where I had done a, a successful version of that ritual. Mm. Okay. So, so, the, so, the, so, that the mark, so that the markers for traumatic issue are not always about trauma. Sometimes they are, but I guess what I'm saying is uh, don't assume that if the first image that arises or the first memory that arises that it's going to be about one of your current uh, heavy issues. It may be about something else that you're working on. Um, the, 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 the life that uh, actually has one of the heaviest issues, I didn't realize that it was about anything difficult in my life until long after I'd been exploring memories from that past life. Uh, I have a, um, I have a betrayal and abandonment thing that's a big deal in this lifetime because not unlike, um, a whole lot of other people, uh, my biological parents, uh, let's just say that, uh, age 18, I didn't know they were opening my mail. They found a love letter from a guy and it was game over. Mm. And, and shortly thereafter, I had to uh, run away from home, and bad things happened. And uh, it never resolved, it never healed. So there was a, a huge, you know, abandonment betrayal thing that uh, was part of the work of this life. The lifetime that I finally remember that had all sorts of stuff about abandonment and betrayal, I didn't realize that what it was until long into it. I started remembering a lifetime where I'd been a monk, you know, which I guess on one level I wasn't terribly surprised because I was pretty sure that I had been drawn to a spiritual life many, many times. And uh, so, you know, most of the memories were about focus and meditation and devotion and, and uh, you know, good hard work. And then um, 
like after I'd been remembering this life for a number of years, I finally got the remembrance of uh, something from that life that wasn't about supporting my current spiritual work, but it was like, oh, and this is what happens when you think differently than the rest, and your other brothers decide that you're a heretic. So you know you're done kind of processing it when you just think about it differently. It's kind of like when you quit smoking and you take that step back and one day you just don't crave it the same way. Probably heard ad nauseum the old uh, as above, so below, but in a different manner or some other paraphrasing of, of the hermetic principle. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I, I also own a metaphysical shop and, and I do readings. So right now I'm on a, a, a summertime hiatus from doing readings because if I did any more, the milk of human kindness would curdle and I wouldn't be able to uh, you know, offer the empathy required to, mm-hmm. to be a good reader. Mm-hmm. So I take breaks periodically. But a lot of times uh, you, you do readings for people and you recognize that they're, 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 doing the, they're, they're seeking out exactly the same kind of bad relationships over and over again and repeating patterns or, or, or if you look at it on a broader scale, uh, repeating patterns of abuse or, or alcoholism or various things. It's not In the mundane, in this single life world, you can see how people tend to repeat patterns until they work something out. Well, that's, you know, uh, expand the as above, so below principle into this. And of course, the things that we're doing in this lifetime have their precedence in cycles that we've repeated in previous lifetimes. How long does it get to, to break out of cycles in a, in a given incarnation? Just broaden the scale and the scope to include all that you've been and all that you will be.
and you are listening to The Modern Witch here on the Pagan Radio Network. I'm your host, Devin Hunter. Uh, Thanks for joining me today on our season opener. So this is the beginning of season four. And uh, if you haven't been able to check out the website, once again, it's www.modernwitchonline.com. And I mentioned earlier on in the show, before we get to our conclusion with Evo, um, I mentioned earlier on that uh, we have the new book club, which it will be starting here um, September 20th. So if you're interested in joining the Modern Witch Book Club, um, we, our first book is going to be Buddha, Christ, and Merlin, Three Wise Men for Our Age by Christopher Penzak. Um, if you go to the website, go to modernwitchonline.com and you go to book club. Um, there's all of the information on what you actually have to do to sign up. It's free, so it's not going to cost you anything but the, per- the, the purchase of the book. And, of course, we recommend that you go to your uh, local occult bookstore or New Age retailer um, if you got one. And if not, you can always um, go to the website, which is uh, – go to his website, which is ChristopherPenzak.com. And uh, you can order the book directly there. There are links up on ModernWitchOnline.com, so don't worry about that too much. Um, yeah, so do – Definitely check that out. That is one of the really, really exciting things. And once again, that's starting September 20th. So if you are a book person, this is the thing for you. And uh, this is the first one um, that we've done. And uh, we hopefully, if all goes well, we'll be doing a book after this. So I don't know. So stay tuned. Uh, we will we'll be finding more information about all that as we, um, of course, are getting closer to the date. So this episode is is Mark One, and uh, we'll be bringing it up every other episode until it's it's actually happening. So if you're interested in joining the Modern Witch Book Club, our first book is by Christopher Penzak. It is his latest piece. And once again, the title is uh, Buddha Christ Merlin: Three Wise Men for Our Age. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I think that's going to be an interesting read, and I really can't wait to hear your feedback. One of the perks about joining the book club is that you actually get um, access to a secret part of the website um, where we have a forum, and um, we've got uh, lots of, of kind of guided stuff. There's lots of really neat stuff, so go check it out for sure. Once again, modernwitchonline.com, and uh, go to the forum section on the website, or the, the book club section on the website. Uh, now, aside from that, so, I mean, if the book club wasn't cool enough and the beginning of season four wasn't cool enough, um, I have been invited to come and be the MC, the Master of Ceremonies, for the 2012 New Orleans Witches Ball. And their theme is Nox Victoriana. Uh, once again, you can go to the website, modernwitchonline.com, find out more about that. You can also visit their website, which is neworleanswitchesball.com. Um, and... I'm really, really excited about it. Wendy Rule's going to be there. Sharon Knight's going to be there. It's it's going to be probably um, the most happening Halloween in this country. I'm not going to say world yet, but uh, I, I'm, I'm working on it. I'll get there. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. Do check them out, neworleanswitchesball.com. And um, it's, it's going to be an awesome time. It's going to be a really great evening. There's, there's Tickets are still available. So if you're interested, um, do check it out. We're going to be releasing Modern Witch Magazine, Volume 3, um, there at New Orleans for the New Orleans Witches Ball, or in New Orleans for the New Orleans Witches Ball, rather. So that's really exciting. Um, and uh, we'll be doing some live coverage from there as well. And uh, just stay tuned because there's going to be all kinds of really cool stuff. But trust me, ladies and gentlemen, the New Orleans Witches Ball is the place to be. Um, and you know, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to spend your, your so in doing something, um, why not spend it with me in new Orleans and, you know, an old 
haunted mansion i'm just saying just saying you know, there's things you can do you have options and um you should pick the one i gave you new orleans witches ball so all right we will um we're going to get back to our special guest eva dominguez jr and i will see you guys at the end of the show So the idea essentially is that we are we're coming back throughout these these stages um, in history and in time. We're having these experiences, and and really the point is that it, it, when it's all said and done with, our soul, um, so to speak, is is really just exploring itself in each lifetime. It's pushing itself further each lifetime. It's expanding until the point where it reaches its its divine kind of conclusion, essentially. Yeah. I- I, I, th- I think th- I think that uh, the goal is to, since I genuinely believe myself to be a child of a goddess, a child of a god, then uh, if if you if you take that as a real statement, then the the logical outcome is that your parents expect you to grow up, mm-hmm. and if your if your if your lineage is divine, and I think that all of us are, then the goal is to grow up to be divine, and you can't do that without you know having a pretty well rounded education. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what about um, the uh, cycle? What about the people? Now, now the, there's the, yeah. You're you're going to go to the messy part about, and we now have to deal with all the other people's right <laughs> issues as well. <laughs> well, so my thing is that you know, so we've got I because I, I completely believe what you're saying is is absolutely you know how I would how I would explain to my clients or my students, but um, yeah, when 
when you've gone through, you know, this work and so, you, you know, you've gone back through, there, there are these, there's a couple of different theories that pop up. And one that I know is really popular, actually, Chaz, my, one of my partners, is, is a firm believer yep. in, which is that you, you essentially get absorbed. So your, your soul energy gets absorbed back into the all, back into goddess, so to speak. And mm-hmm. you end up, um, you don't hold a singularity there. You you end up just you end up becoming part of the all. Much like to really be a, a big geek here, um, if you watched Star Trek. Oh, uh, well, believe me, any and all science fiction fantasy references are welcome. Okay, so the changelings. So he's very much so similar to the to the idea of the changelings, where you know they they'd go and they would kind of become you know liquid again, and they'd go into their all, you know, their their giant connection, and then they would pop back out. But they were they they were able to maintain that you know that identity without losing it once they made the the connection. Essentially, the the idea is that, however, once you've been absorbed, you don't get to come back as as that full piece again. You're really just whatever whatever kind of incarnation comes out um, is really a I, collection I, of these different pieces. Well, I do believe that, except that uh, my time frame may be a little bit more extreme. Okay, let me let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, I love the pictures that we get from the Hubble Mm -hmm. because it reminds me of just how vast the universe is. And without going into the woo-woo strange world of of, uh, UFOs and aliens, because that's not where I'm taking it, Mm -hmm. I genuinely believe that there is life pretty much everywhere. Mind you, I also believe that crystals are alive as well. I think everything has spirit that exists in the universe. Um... So here's my take on it. Uh, at some point, humans will learn as individual uh, as individuals everything there is that they can learn, and at some point, um, all of humanity will will be one group being again. We may have different bodies, but we'll actually be in connection to each other. And at some point, then we'll if, if uh, this is by the way assumes that we we work things out, uh, current dilemmas in the world notwithstanding. And at some point then, now that we've learned how to be connected to other human beings, then we learn how to truly be connected to our, our, our primate and mammal uh, cousins. And uh, all the way until finally, the whole of the planet Earth, all of Gaia is actually once again one thing, one being. Mm-hmm. And then we're still not done, because my take on it is that we don't dissolve into the whole. My, where, where I put the, the, the place of dissolving back into the whole never coming out again, I put that at the place where um, all, all beings that are capable of going through the cycles of evolution and incarnation will have finished, and then everything goes back into the original whole, but not before then. Mm. Okay. So, so I believe it happens. I just think the time frame is broader, and even though I have no clue about what might be out there beyond... Uh, uh, in a definitive way beyond this planet and this solar system, I believe that the same pattern is happening elsewhere. So uh, I'll, I'll throw a bit of, of, uh, of, of uh, what I believe theology that is both uh, a blessing and a cranky curse, depending upon how you want to look at it. Any god or goddess that any human being has ever encountered, described, or communed with on this planet is strictly local. Mm. At, our, at our stage of evolution, at our stage of consciousness, 
um, the, the, the things that we're able to even comprehend or commune with are local gods and goddesses, not the ones that are, let's put it this way, nobody's touched the star goddess. Mm-hmm. You may touch one of the stars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so so I, I guess what I'm saying is that I believe pretty much in the general principle, but I put the end point at being much further out. But I do think that, that uh, for the foreseeable future, um, all of us, the goal is to, when, when, when we, here's what I believe it'll look like for actually approaching the place where humans are actually getting there as a species, that we don't have to be born um, stripped of, of, uh, of our past life memories, that we're actually born remembering huge chunks of or, or, or uh, huge uh, skill sets from our previous lives. Mm-hmm. When most people walking around have multiple remembrances um, from from uh, childhood that are not wiped out or obscured, then we might have actually proven ourselves on, uh, as an evolving species. And, it's, and the whole identity thing, I think that people are afraid of losing their identity all the time, and past lives isn't even the, the least bit of, of, of it. Um, how many times do people ask to be transformed or changed or to grow in their meditations and their prayers and their rituals? And when anything actually does happen that might actually provide that, they, they, they flee it because it means ceasing to be who they current are because you can't be something new without ceasing to be what you currently are. Mm-hmm. So I tell everybody, here's a way to prove incarnation, uh, reincarnation works in, in you already. And it works depending on, on the age of the audience. But I'll, I'll, you're a youngish sort of guy, so I'll, put it, so I'll pick a young age. Do you remember who you were when you were 15? Oh, um, I, well, I'm not that same person. So there's parts of me that identify, but there's parts of me that don't. But so, so and here's the thing. I mean, as, and, and if you ask somebody who's 70, you know, who were you at this age, this age, and this age, I would say that in effect, we all, even as above, so below, let's, let's repeat it in the other direction. We already experience uh, reincarnation within a given lifetime because Every time that our identity radically shifts, we store the remembrance of who we were that's still us, but it's no longer the one that's in active memory. It's no longer the one that's the running program, if you will, in our heads. We still recognize it as ourselves, but not ourselves. So, so, so let me see if I follow this and, and if I yeah. speak some techie. So the idea yeah, yeah. is that throughout our lifetime, you know, each one, each time we go through one of our, our snake medicine periods where we're really changing the, the fundamental kind of values of how we identify ourselves and how we function. Yep. So that's kind of like getting a software upgrade. And the death, the actual physical death is when you know, there's a new version of the program that comes out, so to speak. Yeah, or, or, or a new version of the hardware, the computer itself. Right, okay. If you, want, if you want to think of it that way. But the thing is that, you know, I don't think of myself at, at 15, at 25, at 35, at 45, at whatever, as, 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 you know, that's not me anymore, but it is me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, the, when the day comes that people can think about their past lives uh, in the same way that we think about all the people that we've been within a current life, then we will reach the place of, of uh, perhaps marking a next step in evolution because we don't have to forget who we are in a given life. We don't have to forget who we are. There's a, an old um, uh, old tiny thing that uh, 
from old timey meaning the 70s and 80s, where where uh, some witches would uh, say that yes, you know, uh, we we are we are not the once born. In other words, uh, folks that that uh, believed, and a lot of people took that myth just to mean that uh, oh, Christians think they're only born once and die, and that's it. But it's like no, the idea is that that uh, you know, the, the wives were able to remember who they'd been. Mm-hmm. And if you were talking to somebody who's an alchemist, they would say that many alchemists have the goal of remembering all the people that they've been before as well, so that if you remember and remember fully, then um, you're, it's an, it's, that's an indicator of integration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, some would argue that people like uh, Mozart uh, had been musicians many times, and uh, a piece of, of, of a chunk of being a musician had uh, been preserved across the boundary of birth. That makes sense. So when you see a child, so when you see a child prodigy, it may be, or or uh, or uh, Dolores Hatchcroft Nowicki, who's uh, uh, somebody who I recognize as one of my teachers, you know, often said that it takes at least, you know, it's, it's joking in the same way that the rule of three is a generality. But she would always jokingly say that it takes at least three lifetimes to make a magician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, it, you 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 you've had to have uh, sort of tried twice before before possibly being able to lift off this life. Right. Absolutely. So I've got so I've got just a just a couple more questions. So the the first yeah, one yeah, would yeah. be um, when we're talking about you know because you you just kind of hinted on it the idea of of an old soul versus these new souls. Um, I hear a lot of witches in you know conversation kind of discuss. Um, the concept that, you know, if you're a witch, you tend to be this older soul and there are these newer souls out there who just don't get it. And, you know, part of that makes sense. We've got, we've got a higher population than we've ever had before on the planet. And, and so there are new, you know, there's more vessels, so to speak, for those souls than, than there were before. But, you know, essentially there's that idea that, um, somehow as spiritual practitioners, we've lived several lives before, whereas people who maybe aren't spiritual, um, haven't lived as many lives or, you know, haven't had that spiritual epiphany in, in a lifetime before. Does, in the grand scheme of things, how important is that idea of old soul, new soul? And do you feel that a spiritual connection, I mean, it, it kind of sounds like you already do, but a spiritual connection, is that an important thing that marks the difference between an old soul and a new soul? Golly. Um, there, there are a couple things there. One is that um, I don't necessarily um, uh, go with the idea of old soul and young soul being connected to whether or not somebody's involved in, in uh, esoteric matters, um, because there, there's some very young souls that I think are. And, 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 uh, but I do think that if somebody is expressing particular refinement or skill, it's probably something they've done many times. I'm going to make throw out another idea related to uh, because you know there are more people on the planet than there have ever been. There's more human vessels to fill than ever. So, um, have you ever grown uh, daffodils or any other bulb or uh, tuber kind of uh, plant? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> um, you know, uh, a daffodil is a perfect example of uh, of reincarnation. It uh, it lives in the bulb that contains the spirit and the soul lives deep in the, in the dark, unmanifest of the earth. <clears throat> when, when the conditions are right, it sends up green shoots. 
eventually produces a flower, uh, and that flower, it's always a daffodil, but they, it even fits the same bulb. It never looks the same every year because of the conditions of the soil and rain and sun, and et cetera. So that each life is unique, each bloom cycle is unique, and then it, it, it sucks all that energy back down into itself and, and waits until it's, uh, it's next spring. Mm. So you can view that as, as kind of like the cycle of reincarnation, though it's the same bulb, flowers different every year because it's in a different, uh, it's a different season, it's a different year. However, when the bulb gets big enough, the bulb splits. Okay. Okay. Most of, most of the reproduction of, of, uh, of uh, daffodils is through the bulbs splitting and not from the seeds. Those seeds happen as well. I think that that, uh, that uh, most souls on the planet, and this, is, this, by the way, is my, my way of explaining why multiple people can claim to have been part of, uh, had, had been a particular person. If, you're, if you are a very large daffodil bulb and you keep splitting and splitting and splitting, all of you are still the same stuff. You're all genetically identical. You're all energe- your energetic thumbprint is, is, is the same, even though you've grown and shaped differently because you've got three rocks around you and this one over here gets a little bit more water. But you can have this whole cluster of, of daffodils and they all are technically the same spirit, the same soul, now on different journeys. So that I think that most of the extra souls that are on the planet have simply come from, from the splitting of the streams of spirit that, uh, that uh, already were. Only, only extremely rarely are new seeds dropped from that flower that start as brand new, brand spanking new souls on the planet. I think almost every soul on the planet is old in that sense of the world though some of them may not be very big yet. Hmm. I like that. That's a really good analogy. I really like that. <clears throat> All right. And, but, uh, yeah, but, but, yeah, but but if somebody's showing particular particular brilliance and talent, there's something else going on that's about connecting to who they've been before. Okay, okay. So let's say that this is all bullshit. Let's okay, say which it absolutely could be. It right, absolutely could be. Right. So, you know, this is all bullshit. There is no past lives. We're we're just here in a flash, we die, there's nothing afterwards. What as witches, because you know, we're here, we're having these experiences, we we you know, we can document our experiences. What do we have to what would we have to do as as a as a spiritually um kind of hungry culture right now who, you know, is is really struggling to identify itself and we're really trying to figure out what we are in the twenty first century and what do we have to do right. mentally if all this is bullshit? I mean, where where does that put us? So 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 that for a moment, because you know, obviously I'm one of those believer types, but for a moment let's pretend that I'm a, a, a secular humanist pagan and don't believe in any of the spirituality, but think that culturally uh, paganism is cool, has good values, blah, blah, blah. How about this? Um, Even if you don't believe that any of it is quote-unquote real in the big sense of the word, you probably would be able to get people to agree that there is a, a vast store of wisdom, knowledge, and memory that is in our unconscious that we don't easily tap with our, our waking mind. Um, all the different kinds of things that have been shown scientifically that if you ask people to um, guesstimate uh, how many dots are on a screen that just flashed for 10 milliseconds on, on a monitor as part of a psych experiment, that if you've uh, had them meditate ahead of time, um, they can give you a rough guesstimate that's pretty damn close because you begin to tap into the deep 
pools of creativity or how many scientists have had a weird dream where they see something like the, the classic one about the benzene molecule, the snake grabbing its own tail and spinning in the fire and the scientist waking up and going, ah, uh, benzene is actually a ring structure. The point is, even if you don't believe in the spiritual end of it, you can probably convince yourself through scientific means that there's a vast storehouse of memory, calculating power, wisdom that exists below the level of our waking consciousness, and by attending to uh, and thinking through what the imagery, what the sensations that uh, bubble up to the surface are, that that is useful material to inform uh, actions in in your day-to-day life. So even if you don't believe the other end of it, there's plenty of proof that shows that there there is great wisdom, creativity, and power uh, that's built into the the less accessible corners of our wetware. And so there you have it. Whether you are a believer in past lives or not, there's there's a lot to this, and I don't think we're ever really going to know until we are on the other end of it. Um, so maybe we'll see each other in the next life. Maybe we won't. But either way, um, I would like to thank Evo Dominguez Jr. for taking the time to come on to this uh, episode of The Modern Witch. Um, it was a pleasure. And, of course, you can check him out uh, by going to evodominguezjr.com. Um, and uh, all right, guys, we'll see you at the end of the show. Reincarnation. Starting it over again If you don't finish what you started Then you have to be born again I Reincarnation The cycle will never end If you don't finish what you started Then you have to be born again Your blessings, you must do the math in this.
Once again, thank you to Eva Dominguez Jr. for taking the time out of his incredibly busy schedule um, to to come on and be a part of the discussion here. And hopefully he'll uh, come back again because I really enjoyed that. And I'm sure you guys did, too. Um, so, yeah. And, hey, let me know on, uh, what you think about uh, Season 4 so far. I mean, yeah, it's been an episode, but I always love to hear your feedback. And you can do that by going to www.modernwitchonline.com. Um and uh yeah just checking out everything i mean there's the magazine stuff that's up there there's um information about the new book club which of course is incredibly important because hey guys this is free this is a free book club all you got to do is go buy the book and uh after you get uh, to access to the actual author who is going to be coming on and, and we're going to actually be discussing the book all the cool stuff with that uh, that's going to be and um we get you get a forum so you actually get to talk with people who are reading the book and all that i mean it's going to be cool so go on to the website www.modernwitchonline.com and uh and join the book club um and you know aside from that you can also get information about me going to the new orleans witches ball as the mc which is really, really cool, and you should see this information because that information also will take you to the places that you need to go so that you can buy your tickets to come to the New Orleans Witches Ball because the New Orleans Witches Ball is going to be amazing. And quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a modern witch, you need to be going to the New Orleans Witches Ball. I mean, it's the creme de la creme. It's, it's New Orleans. I mean, how would you like to spend your sewing? Trick-or-treating or... Spending it in New Orleans with me. Registration is still open, ladies and gentlemen. So go check it out. And you can do that at NewOrleansWitchesBall.com. Um, and in the meantime, we'd like to also say thank you to The Mystic Dream. You can visit them, www.TheMysticDream.com uh, for underwriting support. Uh, because they're, of course, literally, we couldn't do this without them. And when I say we couldn't, we really couldn't do this without them. So thank you very much to The Mystic Dream. And uh, all right, well, I guess that wraps up the show. Um, we will see you next week, so stay tuned. Keep listening to the Pagan Radio Network. And uh, if in the middle of the week you get the craving for a witch fix, well, hop on over to my website, modernwitchonline.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much, and uh, I'll see you next week.